0: we never heard from him again.
1: No letter, no call, no contact. That's very possible. That played a leading role in what happened.
2: Oh, Here we go, 2751,
1: five, 556, five, five, 57. Five, this is it.
2: I think
0: it's an incredible story. I guess I kept wondering why everybody didn't address
2: the elephant in the room. I'm Brian Dolan, and this is The Grandfather Effect. Hey there, it's Brian. I want to hit pause on this episode to ask you for two quick favors. First, don't forget to subscribe to and follow this podcast so you never miss an episode. And second, would you consider sharing the grandfather effect with a few of your friends? You know, word of mouth marketing is the best thing out there. And if you like what you hear, we'd be so grateful for you to help us spread the word about the grandfather effect. Tell your friends to find out more information at moodyradio.org slash grandfather. Again, moodyradio.org slash grandfather. Thanks. Let's get back to the episode. Picture this It's December 1st, 1969. You're 12 years old, and it's a cold Monday night. Mom is in the kitchen making some shake and bake, and Dad has his nose in the sports section of the paper, as usual. A seventh straight loss for the Giants, this time to the Packers. He looks at the clock and puts the paper down. It's time for your favorite show. Every Monday night, your whole family, along with millions of other Americans, gather around the TV to watch the hit show Mayberry RFD, a spinoff of The Andy Griffith Show. So you can imagine your disappointment when a CBS News special report interrupted your favorite Monday night activity. To make matters worse, your routine was interrupted by what felt like a mashup of bingo, a Powerball drawing, and the Hunger Games. Seriously. Here's how it worked. There were over 350 game pieces in the form of small blue plastic capsules. Hidden inside of each was a neatly folded slip of paper with some writing on it. And instead of a slick game show host reaching into the container to pull them out, it was officiated by Washington bureaucrats. And as boring as that sounds, you kept watching and nobody wanted to win. What was going on? It was the first draft lottery since 1942. But instead of being sent to Europe or the Pacific, American young men across the country would be shipped to the jungles of Vietnam. Those blue plastic capsules each contained a birthday, The order in which they were randomly drawn would determine which men of draft eligible age would have to report for induction into the military in 1970. The earlier your birth date was called, the more likely you would be going to war. General Lewis Hershey, director of the Selective Service System, opened the ominous event by nervously referring to himself in the third person. New York Congressman Alexander Purney, the ranking Republican of the House Armed Services Committee, reached in to grab the first capsule opened it up and read the first date. No young man in America with a birth year between 1944 and 1950 could avoid being assigned one of those numbers. Pat Sajak from Wheel of Fortune, his number was seven. The boss, Bruce Springsteen, 119. Jay Leno, 223. Meanwhile, Sylvester Stallone and George W. Bush both breathed a sigh of relief when their shared birthday was the 327th called. Then there was my soft-spoken, introverted dad, Bill. He was less than four months shy of missing the first Vietnam draft lottery. His birthday, September 5th, 1950. I decided to ask my pops about his experience that evening in 1969.
1: It was 82, and that was kind of a sinking feeling as I recall, thinking that There's a pretty good chance I'm going to get drafted. So,
2: well, and see, most people would hear 82 and think that's actually not that that high or that low of a number, because there was 366, I believe, if you include February 29th. Yep. So, why would 82 be a bad number?
1: Uh, Because it was a better chance of getting drafted than that. Because it's close to one. So.
2: So just, just the closer to one you were, and, and even 82 almost guaranteed you that, that you'd be called up.
1: Well, it was kind of felt like borderline based on what they were saying, but um, you know, if you were one, you were drafted.
2: Was that the lowest number of anybody you knew?
1: I do remember one guy in class and he got 360 or 364 and said, I was thinking of enlisting. And I thought, can we trade?
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah are you yeah. out of your mind? <laughs> 360, goodness sakes, yeah. that would be almost no chance yeah. of being called.
1: Yeah. If. If they drafted everybody, then we're in real trouble.
2: My dad explained his options. If you were enrolled in college, you could get a deferment. That would allow you to postpone being drafted as long as you're carrying at least 12 credits per quarter and passing all your college courses. Since my dad was already a freshman at the University of Minnesota, he could keep working on his degree and avoid the draft temporarily. But the government only gave you four years to defer the draft for college. A few months after my pops got his college degree, something came in the mail.
1: I got a notice from Richard Nixon, uh, president of the United States, that said, Greetings. You were hereby ordered to report to the Armed Forces Entrance and Examination Station in Minneapolis. I ended up, after I got that, I enlisted for two years, and I could defer my enlistment, so that means I could delay the entry into the Army, and I could delay it 180 days, and the recruiter and I counted out 180 days, and that's what I did.
2: Once his deferments were up, my dad still really did not want to go to Southeast Asia. So he took one more shot at delaying the inevitable in a pretty hilarious way. The way he saw it, there were two ways he could strategically fail his physical. First, he had what's called a pilonidal cyst. What's that, you ask? Well, <clears throat> It's an infected pocket of skin right near the tailbone. Specifically, as I saw on Mayo Clinic's website, it indicates that it's typically, quote, at the top of the cleft of the buttocks. Anywho, once infected, it's swollen, painful, and needs to be, well, drained. My dad figured if he could inflame and rupture this pilonidal cyst, the army physician would not only be grossed out, but would reject him from the draft. Of course, the problem is how do you get a pilonidal cyst to rupture? Well, Dad tried to figure that one out.
1: So I bounced up and down on the cement floor in the, the basement for a while, seeing if I could get it going, and it didn't work. <laughs> but this is before my regular physical. How hard were you working at that? Oh, I jumped up and down for a while, but it was, it was hard. <laughs> it was in an awkward position. So it hurt? Yeah, but it, it wasn't draining.
2: His second strategy needed somewhat of a music connection of sorts. You see, my dad was playing drums in a band at the time, and the wife of one of his bandmates had an idea.
1: At the advice of the band leader's wife, who was diabetic, um, I uh, timed it and drank two bottles of Reactose, which is something that diabetics, get your blood sugar up, and you don't, they don't drink two bottles, they drink <laughs> Like Some, part of one? Yeah, I guess. And then I chased it down with a coat before physical and went in and had the urinalysis and they came out, hey, you made it. <laughs> what do you <laughs> think happened? They, they just ignored the blood sugar? I, I think they ignored the test. I don't know.
2: Then it was eight weeks of basic training starting in March of 1973. But due to his college degree and his manly typing skills, he managed to become what's called in our family a chairborne ranger. The real title was clerk typist, and that eventually meant he would be stationed in Udorn, Thailand, which is in northern Thailand, not too far away from Hanoi, Vietnam, on the other side of the border. He worked in the personnel office at the base as a records clerk. As you might imagine, contacting Minneapolis, Minnesota from Udorn, Thailand in 1973 wasn't so simple. There's no Skype, there's no FaceTime, there's no texting— So, of course, you could handwrite a letter, or you could awkwardly go through a shortwave radio operator to contact home. But my mom and dad came up with a 1970s kind of trendy way to communicate with their family back home. They communicated with audio tapes and sent them through the mail. It was a way to hear your loved one's voices. Now, this was not instantaneous, like it is today. It took time to send and receive those tapes. After two years of mandatory service filled with cassette tapes shipped across the world... My parents were finally back home in Minnesota by March of 1975. And where did they live? Well, with the man who would later disown us, over a birthday card. My grandpa Tom and grandma Betty welcomed them into their home for a few months, as my dad looked for work and they readjusted to life out of the Army. By June of 1975, they moved into their own apartment. Then just six months later, tragedy struck and it was likely the beginning of the end of my dad's relationship with his father. On December 31st, 1975, Tom and Betty boarded a plane in Hawaii and headed for home after a relaxing vacation. Somewhere over the Pacific Ocean, my grandma Betty had a massive heart attack. By the time they landed in San Francisco, it was too late. Both the hospital and her pacemaker couldn't save her. She was dead at the young age of 60. I've always wondered what would have happened if my grandma wouldn't have died so young. Would she have kept the family together? Would she have brushed off the birthday card incident? I can't know for sure, but a recent discovery may hint at an answer. My mom did some digging in storage and found a priceless treasure. One of those cassette tapes, passed back and forth from Thailand, was sitting undisturbed in a box for decades. One more U.S. Postal Service trip brought that old tape to my home in Ohio and I listened intently. I hoped I could catch a few words from Grandpa Tom. Nope, no luck. My parents were the last ones to use this tape, so they recorded over virtually everything my grandparents said. But the last 57 seconds on the second side of the tape quite honestly gave me chills. I'd never heard Grandma Betty's voice, but there it was, suddenly appearing in mid-sentence after my parents signed off. And this was her 28-second Minnesota long goodbye.
0: Well, we're kind of really stringing this one out. We hate to give up an inch of tape, but we've come to the end. Daddy and I both send our love to you both. And write when you can. Your tapes are so much fun. We've saved them, we haven't erased them at all. So we played it for Grandma and she really enjoyed it. She was a little mystified at first and thought it was very long. And she only heard the first half, but here goes, much
2: love. Did you catch that? She said, Daddy and I both send our love. And her last words, much love. How does the man, affectionately labeled Daddy, end up completely abandoning his son, daughter-in-law, and two grandsons? If there really was much love at this time, what in the world happened to it? Can you describe your dad's personality?
1: He was a pretty laid-back guy. Man of few words. He... Uh... Worked a lot, and mom really ran the house, so he was more to himself, and uh, that's about it, really. I mean, so pretty, he pretty. he didn't say much. He was pretty quiet. Pretty quiet guy, yeah. Um, was he
2: pretty even-tempered, or was he... Yeah,
1: yeah, pretty even-tempered. Not real high, not real low, uh, not real angry. Um, laughed quite a bit. Enjoyed a good joke. How, how much did he talk about his childhood? Uh, not a lot. I mean, I knew the general area he grew up, and... I learned about his mother from from her mostly because we met her a few times but his dad had died way before I was born so uh, I didn't hear much about him at all.
2: Well how how old was your dad when his dad passed away? You know Do you recall? Uh,
1: I don't uh, I looked it up once and I I forgotten now how how old he was. Um, I want to say in his 20s maybe. So he
2: was pre- he was fairly young when his dad passed away. Yeah. What yeah. what happened to his dad? Was it a heart attack or what uh, was I think deal? so.
1: Uh, I never did hear the real reason how he died, but that was my guess.
2: Do you have any strong memories as a kid of you and your brother and your mom and dad doing stuff or experiences that stick out?
1: We ended up buying a 16-foot travel trailer and pulled it behind the car, and we had some big trips. We went to the West Coast on one summer all the way out to California.
2: Were you closer to your mom or your dad, do you think?
1: Oh, probably mom, because she was, again, ran the household and— was around didn't work and that was the trend at the time that uh, dad went to work and mom stayed home with the kids and so so we were much closer to, to our mother what
2: about their marriage were they real affectionate were they close to each other were they a tight
1: team I think they had a, a good marriage and rarely heard an argument uh, can't even remember one really but so if they had disagreements it was in private so
2: how much do you know about their story together
1: not much I don't know how they met
2: Mom, what, what do you remember about about the first time you met your father-in-law?
0: I don't remember much about how we met. Or what I remember is he always drove a Cadillac. One time we were going someplace, and I was in the back seat with Dad, and we were <laughs> he was driving so slow that there were cars. Cars were honking and driving around him and shaking their fists at him, and he was sort of oblivious to all of it. Um,
2: so he was oblivious or he just didn't care?
1: Well, I— Think he didn't
2: care.
0: You Maybe know, he, he didn't was care. Yeah. Drive slow and Yeah. <laughs> <then> <laughs> really slow. Too. <laughs> but I don't really I, I don't recall much interaction with him. People weren't close to their parents the way they are now. Your parents didn't talk to you, you didn't ask questions, and when you did ask questions, you didn't get much of an answer.
2: So does that unwrap the whole mystery for you? Well, not me. My parents clearly know very little about my grandfather based upon their vague description, it's difficult to draw any conclusions at all. On one hand, he could have been an introverted, hard-working man who played it really safe on the highway. Or he could be an emotionally cold, apathetic, self-centered guy who never cared very much about his family. It still somewhat baffles me that my dad has no clue how his own parents met. How's that even possible? When I first discovered this a few years ago, I thought he was messing with me, but the truth is my grandparents never told him their love story, how they met. And he never asked. It became evident that I wasn't going to be able to make any amateur psychological diagnosis based upon my family history or my grandfather's basic temperament. So after over an hour of questioning, I think I've identified three specific incidents that set the stage for the infamous birthday card disownment. I'll call them the inheritance check, the disappearing train set, and the unnecessary roadmap. First, there's the inheritance check.
0: Okay, so I'm remembering something. It was shortly after your mother died, and somehow you and your brother got, each got a check in the mail for $500, and it was from a bank. And when you, we called the bank to figure out what was going on. Your mother had a savings account, in her name with you and your brother as the beneficiaries and that was the payoff after she died and um, we assumed that your father had initiated that somehow so you called to thank him and he didn't know anything about it and he wanted the money back and really yes did he need Why? the money no 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 we were poor we didn't you know we didn't have anything it was before the kids were born or any of that stuff. And I was not very happy with him. For I thought that was really wrong, that, his, that your mother wanted you to have this if she died. And she died and you had it, and now he wanted it back.
2: Did you give it back?
0: Yes. But I'm pretty sure I told your dad that I didn't think it was right. Um, because then he turned around and gave it back to you. And I don't know if he did to your brother, but I remember him giving it back to you and saying, now spend this wisely. And I thought that was really um, uncalled for. I thought it was mean. and that, so, Did it surprise you? Yeah. Yeah, it did. Because anybody doing something like that for your child, for goodness sakes, it's your child. They were given something by their parent who died, and now you want it back? Um, so I'm thinking, I don't remember this, but I'm thinking that that might have made me have an attitude about your dad. And then when the kids came along and the whole birthday card thing happened, I already had an attitude about him.
2: So that was crack one, a murky and confusing interaction based on a check. I mean, was it intentional? Mere forgetfulness? I don't know. But it didn't seem like justification for such a long-standing separation. So I asked about a second crack,
1: the disappearing
2: train set. Did your so, dad have any
1: hobbies of his own? Um, uh, not a lot. He worked quite a few hours, but I know he had this model train down in the basement that we didn't use a lot, but it took up much of the basement on uh, tables, and it was a pretty elaborate setup. Did uh,
0: he do that with you and your brother when you were some?
1: Legal? Some, yeah. Because uh, I remember we,
0: that. I remember we asked him for it when, when you kids were, you know, when we all had kids, because. Um, your brother had two girls, and we had the two boys, and so we asked if we could have the train set for the boys. And I don't know what he did with it, but the next time we went over, it was gone. Yeah, I never knew. So oh, he didn't
2: answer you. He just
0: he huh. just got rid of it somehow. I guess we never found it. We never saw it again. Did that
1: surprise you that that happened, or was that just kind of like, I thought oh, it oh, was weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember what happened there.
2: So again. They don't know exactly what happened. The disappearance of a train set, whether innocent or sinister, seemed to represent further distance between members of our family. So here we are at the third crack, the map crack. You you guys kind of lost touch with him because of the the birthday card thing when I was how old now? Probably like three or something or two?
0: When we moved to Burnsville, so you were three. Three and Jacob was 5. Remember. When we moved to Burnsville, it's
1: 82 it
0: was.
2: Yeah. So. so then prior to that was he real connected to seeing Jacob and me?
0: No. No. If we if we like at birthday parties, you know, maybe and He'd
2: come if you invited him.
0: Yes.
1: Mhm.
2: Seemed to enjoy it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, we lived in a third-tier suburb of Burnsville, uh, Minneapolis, and that was a long drive for a lot of people at the time. He you know, you had to cross the Minnesota River. And yeah, do you remember he, the one
0: the one time when he came out to the house? You gave him directions, but he he I, for some reason wasn't confident in them. So he he was a member of AAA, and he got them to give him a route map to get from Minneapolis to Burnsville, which is about a what fifteen miles or something.
2: Wow, a map seems functional, no? Was this a product of simply needing a map? Or was it a personal charge against my dad's ability to provide directions? This incident feels like a representation of a lot of possibilities. Needing directions, wondering where to go, trust issues, doubt. So here is the last incident, the one that started all of this, the birthday card. So tell me about the circumstances that led up to uh, where you all had a a break in your relationship.
0: Do you want me to do this, or do you? Um,
1: I think you should, because you have a better memory of it than I do. Okay.
0: Um, Well, if you look at a calendar year, your birthday is first in the year, Brian. Your birthday is in February, and then your brother is April, I'm May, and dad is September. And one year... February came for your birthday, and uh, we didn't hear from him. And I don't. We must not have had a birthday party or anything.
2: Does that mean no card, no call, nothing?
0: Exactly. Yeah, nothing. And then April came, and your brother got a birthday card. And you said, "Why didn't that grandpa send me a birthday card?" And so, um, what did I, you say? I don't. I don't remember. I I really I just I remember that you <laughs> it's so you to notice something like that your memory was that way where a lot of other 3 or 4 year olds wouldn't have noticed or cared probably well then it was May which my birthday and nothing and I remember telling your dad if you get a birthday card we're going to have some trouble here <laughs> <laughs> because I it isn't that I thought we that any of us deserved a gift or anything. I felt like you kids both needed to be acknowledged. And then September came and Dad got a birthday card and maybe a check or something. And so then... Do you remember us having words about this? Mhm. I do. Yeah, and you so, were you were well, adamant can, that it wouldn't make any difference.
2: Can you take me back to that conversation? I mean, okay. so you had to have brought it up, right, mom? Yes. How much do you remember and how much can you recount?
0: I remember that I felt strongly that you children needed to be treated the same, both of you. That either he would acknowledge both of your birthdays or neither of your birthdays. Um and that I wanted your dad to send, to somehow communicate to his dad that, that it had to be that way. And I remember you telling me, Bill, that it wouldn't make any difference, that he would just be the way he was. And
2: Why did I, you think it wouldn't make a difference?
1: Well, because again, he's not a demonstrative guy and just I just think he'd let it roll off. You know?
2: so, so you weren't worried about him getting mad or offended. You just thought he would ignore it.
1: I guess. You know, um, again, I don't have a real strong memory of it, but mm. but there was some kind of check involved because the the letter included a check. I returned the check to okay, it. Okay. Okay. You you returned the check. Why is that? Saying, well, you know, if you can't give it to everybody, you don't give it to anybody. And it was, you know, it was a carefully worded letter. And oh, very. What,
2: what did you say in the letter? Do you remember?
1: Um,
0: no, I don't.
2: What
1: but. I
0: remember is I insisted, and I made life pretty miserable until...
2: What do you mean? You just kept pestering? Yep. <laughs> why did it, why, why? was it that big of a deal to you? I'm not saying it shouldn't have been. I'm just right. curious about what was going on um, in your head.
0: For some reason, I have um, always had an exaggerated sense of fairness. I don't know if you recall, but after you guys were married, like when it was occasions for gifts, I would always get, be sure that everyone had the same amount of gifts. I would often get the girls the same things so that it would be fair. And I remember the girls laughing at me, sort not in a mean way, but you, know, um, you don't have to do this. It's not this big of a deal. And it was for me. So that must have something to do with my growing up. I don't know what. but Well, um,
2: and I had said something to you. I oh, noticed yes. that he didn't send a card.
0: Yes. If you hadn't noticed, it wouldn't have made a difference to me. I don't... Th- well, no. I think it would have still made a difference to me. I don't know if I would have been as adamant about it.
2: I, I don't know. And whose decision was it to send the check back? I mean, that's kind of an extreme... Yours?
0: Yeah. What well, was your thinking behind because, that? Because um, you didn't get a card or a check. Your brother got a card and a check. I didn't get a card and a check. Your dad got a card and a check. The check was no big deal. It was, I mean, no, they were like the $10 amount. or something.
1: Yeah, it wasn't the amount.
0: It wasn't even much then. It wasn't the amount. It was the principle that half of the family, half of our family was being excluded or ignored or left out, whatever it was.
2: Um, w- were you on board with that idea, Dad?
1: Um or you, Somewhat. I wasn't real thrilled with it because I didn't know exactly what the reaction would be. and I was quite surprised at the, the reaction that ca- came about. So.
2: so, okay, so so you, you did it kind of begrudgingly, but you, you at least agreed enough that you, mm-hmm. you did it. You wrote the letter, yeah. you sent back the check, and then what?
1: We never heard from him again.
2: You have, you have to define that. So he didn't call back? He didn't return your calls?
1: No, no letter, no call. No contact.
2: But that, but we're, we're talking about 10 years at least mm. between you sending the letter and the check back and him being in a nursing home. Mm. Did you try to
1: reach out to him? Um,
0: we must have.
1: You know, I don't remember trying. Maybe we did.
2: Did you invite him to birthday parties or you just were waiting for him to respond?
1: Boy, mm. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't either. Maybe we were just waiting for a response or surprised we didn't get one. I don't Mm-hmm.
2: But he didn't, no more birthday cards for anybody? Nope. No calls? Nope. Nothing? Nothing. Did Did Jacob ever say anything about all this? No. Mm. Did I ask any more questions? I don't
0: remember you asking any more questions.
2: Did you two talk about it at all? Like, boy, we haven't heard from your dad in a few years, or...
0: Uh, probably every once in a while. Yeah,
1: we must have, but... Nothing that sticks out. Oh. Did it bother you that you weren't hearing from your dad? Well, some, yeah. I mean, it seemed like an extreme reaction, but
2: but but it's it's not like you picked up the phone and said, "Dad, we got to talk this out."
1: Uh, right. I don't remember doing that.
2: Did you send him any cards for his birthday or anything? Or
1: oh, well, I'm sure we did. Yeah, it's a long time ago. I don't remember. Okay. What well, was he close to your brother? Throughout this that um, period of time, you know, I don't know. I th- probably. I mean, I, it, it I couldn't think, be less close. <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> I, my impression from your brother and and his wife was that they they
2: saw him regularly. So there you have it, the birthday card incident. Makes sense? Probably not. Doesn't for me. It's not clear at all. I'm more confused than I was before. So in the next episode, I'll have to do something that, quite frankly, is going to be uncomfortable, awkward. I've got an uncle and cousins that I really don't have any relationship with that hold answers that I need. But I haven't spoken with them in over a decade. Let's see how it goes.